you will, let's pray together. Father, I thank you this morning, God, to be with your people. And Father, I thank you today that Jesus Christ is enough for all of us. Uh, that he's enough to make us righteous before you. He is enough for peace of mind. He is enough to satisfy the needs of every living thing. And Father, today I thank you uh, that we stand clean and whole in you. And God, it's by your grace and our confident trust in that work on the cross that we're here today. Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts, that you would work in my heart. And Father, that our expectancy of you, God, that would be met by the faithfulness of your word and your spirit to teach. And Lord, I pray your blessings on this church, this community of men and women, young and old, um, God, that love one another. And Father, are led by such a faithful group of people as they seek after your heart. God, we thank you for this time to be together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you're visiting Christ Community Church, then you'll know that they have two services. And the good thing about the second service is that whoever teaches in the first service can kind of redo whatever they think they needed to do from the first service for the second service. And if I could redo anything, this is what I would say, is that you're blessed to be here today. And there are so few churches that have such a huge heart like this one. And I look back on that wall and that just makes me smile to know that a church in Montgomery, Alabama would have a heart for the nations as well as a huge heart for this city. And uh, Keith's right. Um, really, Keith was the one that believed in April and in me in giving us our first jobs in ministry. And Keith, I just want to thank you. And I want to honor you today for your love for us and your support for us throughout the years. And I'll never forget the night that uh, the night of the ordination um, where Keith was such a huge part of that. I'll never forget what he said. And this is what he said to me. He said, don't ever forget this. And he bent down and he washed my feet with a towel in the basin. And I have never forgotten that. And that is something that we should never forget either. That the Son of God came down and washed the most filthy parts of us. That we would be made whole and then we could carry that wholeness um, to the world and to our community. So I want to open up today um, with this passage of Scripture. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this is what Paul is saying. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live their everyday, ordinary lives, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we, as people that believe in Jesus Christ, we no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's good news. The old is gone and the new has come. And all of this is from God who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that he was reconciling the world to himself, back to himself, not counting men's sins, yours and mine, and the sins of the world against them. And He has committed to us, given to us, extended to us, charged us the ministry of reconciliation, that message. And we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, His representatives on this earth, in this community, in this city, in your neighborhood, and to the nations. We're His ambassadors as though it's because that God was making His appeal 
to men and women around the world his appeal to reconcile men and women back to himself, not counting sin against them on Christ's behalf. It says, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I think about that passage of Scripture. And for me, as I've prayed about our time together today, I haven't really known what to say, but I know it's in my heart to say, if that makes sense. And if any of you are teachers or any of you ever speak before, you know what it is that's in you to say, but you're not really quite sure how to say that. And as I was reading and preparing, this is really what just continues to stand out in my mind. That we're convinced. Are there some things that you're convinced of? You're convinced that that chair is not going to break, and so you're sitting in it, right? And that same level of being convinced, Paul is saying, we are convinced. We're solid on this one thing, that Christ died for all. And if you're convinced of that, if you profess faith in Jesus Christ, then if you're convinced of His saving grace for you, then you are, in fact, an ambassador for Him to extend that reconciliation to the world. Um, I don't want to make a big deal out of this, but I want to share with you some things that God has faithfully uh, revealed to us in, in our own lives and just continue to remind us of this great blessing we have to reconcile men and women to one another. If you see uh, that name, Grace Campus, that's really not important at all. But what is important is that little thing that looks like an HK. That's our logo. And I would really never speak about a logo because sometimes logos can be really lame, and that's okay. But And ours might be lame. You may think it may be lame. That's fine if you do, but here's the cool thing about that. If you take that symbol and turn it upright, okay, that's, that's the Chinese character for heaven. And if you break that symbol up, it means the great one in heaven. And put that together, it means the great one or the great one of heaven. And there are, So we're, we're looking at these ideas of how can we express our heart uh, in a way that makes sense to Chinese people. And they're a big business card culture over there. So if you're anybody to anything, then you've got a business card and you extend it with two hands, take note, and you receive their cards with two hands, take note. And so we've been thinking, well, what's a way that right off the bat that we could extend our very hope and heart to these people? And so as we thought about what could we represent, we took that symbol, the great one, and we turned it on its side because we believe the great one of heaven came down to earth And he has met us here in our sin and shame, and we're extending that very same thing. And so what was meant to be this thing of this ambiguous great one of heaven, we're saying there is a great one of heaven. His name is Jesus. He came down, and that's what we're about, and that's what we stand for. So as I've been praying about today, there's some things I'm I'm so excited to share with you about. Uh, The first thing is this. Regardless of where you live, or where you think you're going to live, or where you might find yourself 10 years from now, Every day, there's a question that we need to answer. And the answer needs to be yes. The question can change, but the answer needs to be yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you trust that Jesus is enough? Yes. Do you really believe that I've called you my child? Yes. Do you really know that you're holy and forgiven? Yes. Do you really know that I can satisfy your needs? Yes. Do you really know that I'm working in your neighbor's life? And I need you to walk across the street and say hello to them. Yes. Do you really know what it means to love your enemy and know how hard that's going to be, but know that I'll be in you to do that? Hmm. Yes. Do you know what it means to honor your husband? Yes. 
You know what it means to serve your wife? Yes. Do you know what it means to train your children up in the ways of the Lord that they wouldn't depart? Yes. Do you know what it means to be faithful to your church community? Yes. And so there are all these questions, and our response needs to be yes. Well, the guy that wrote that, the guy that said, I'm convinced that one died for all, and therefore all have died, and we're his ambassadors. He wasn't always convinced of that. He was walking down a road one day, and an angel appeared to him, and the Lord appeared, and this great shining white light blinded him. And God said to him, why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this? And that guy's name was Saul. And Saul was the leading Christian opponent. He was the guy that opposed all followers of Jesus. It said of Paul that he spoke out murderous threats. And in fact, he was a part of the very first Christian martyr in Stephen. He saw a witness of that. He was a part of that. So here's this murderer of Christ's followers who later in life is saying, I'm convinced that Christ died for all. That had to begin somewhere, right? And so here's this guy, Saul, cruising down the road, minding his own business on his way to kill some Christians, right? When God intervened in his life, blinded him. In the meanwhile, there's this other little guy named Ananias. Anyone know him? I haven't met him, but he seems like a decent guy. It said he's a disciple. He wasn't an apostle. He wasn't some, you know, one of these just um, amazing guys who was just carrying the gospel all over the place. He was a follower of Jesus, trained in the way. And it said that, Ananias was awakened with a vision from God. And then here's how it went. This is in Acts chapter 9. He said, Ananias. And his answer was this. I love it. It wasn't, hang on one second, Lord. Lord, I'm asleep. Can you get back with me in the morning? It was, yes, Lord. Ananias. Yes, Lord. Yes, meaning you have permission. And yes, I'm going to walk in whatever you ask me to do. And Lord, meaning that's who you are. So he says, Ananias, yes, Lord, I want you to get up. I want you to go to this guy named Judas, his house. It's on Straight Street. And I want you to go talk to this guy named Ananias. He can't see. And I want you to go tell him that I'm going to use him, me, the Lord, your God. I'm going to use him to be a voice to the nations. I want you to go and do that, Ananias. And so Ananias says back to the Lord, well, I've heard about this guy. And this guy is the guy that's speaking out murderous threats to Christians. In fact, I think he has recently come to town with the authority to persecute Christians and to persecute Christ followers. And the Lord says, yes, I want you to go to him and I want you to tell him these things. He is going to be a voice to the nations. And I want you to tell him and I want you will see how much he will have to suffer for my name. And so Ananias does what he said he would do. Yes, Lord. And he goes to Judas's house on Straight Street. Pretty, pretty specific instructions on the Lord's part, I'd say. And Ananias, knowing what this could mean, says, uh, Hey there, Saul. Um, I've got a word from you. And here it is. God is going to use you to be a voice to the nations. And it says that, and the word says that and immediately scales fell off Paul's eyes. And he could see. And Ananias says, what are you waiting for? He says, get up, be baptized, be cleansed of your sin. And the very next thing you see is that Paul got up and he grew immediately with bold passion to tell of the nations the sufficiency of Christ. And the reason why I share that story today is what if Ananias had said, no, Lord, 
Well, I'm pretty sure that Paul would have still gotten a wake-up call. I'm pretty sure the scales would have fallen off of his eyes. I'm pretty sure another guy named Bananias would have been called out. It wouldn't really matter. God's, his, his purpose is not going to be thwarted. But could you imagine the loss of joy on Ananias' part had he said, maybe, maybe, Lord, well, can, can you get back to me in a week, Lord? Or, Lord, I'm really busy. Or, Lord, the Super Bowl's on. And if you just call me back, I'll, I'll be with you. But when he said, Ananias, Ananias said, yes, Lord. And you got to know, just from a purely human perspective, that Ananias was like, I mean, not in a bad way, but just like, wow, God would use me to say that to that guy, and now that guy is doing that thing for God? That's unbelievable. I mean, Lord, why would you use me for such an incredibly important task in proclaiming truth to this man that will be the leading voice of Jesus for the rest of history? That how could that be? And could you imagine that loss of joy if Ananias said, no, Lord. And why I say that today is because when you say yes to the Lord, that means you are in for a blessing. And you are in to know God in a way that you could not have known Him had you said no, or maybe, or kind of, or sort of, or I might, or I'll pray about it. When we say yes to God, that means for sure that there is something for us to know about His character that we could not have known had we not said yes. And if you're taking notes, just write in big fat letters, say yes. There's a verse that I've come to know and memorize over the years from Isaiah 26, 8, and it says, Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth, we wait for you, and waiting is hard. But your name and your renown are the desire of our soul. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth, we wait for you. For your name, the name of Jesus, and your renown, the unending memory and fame of who you are, is the desire of our soul. On July of 2007, I was in McDonald's with April and Josh and Caleb and two little Hong Kong boys, and we were having cheeseburgers and ice cream cones. And if you want to come visit, ice cream cones are cheap, so you make up for the expensive flight cheap ice cream there. It's 22 cents at McDonald's, and it's tasty. It's really good. You can also get a nice red bean fried pie as opposed to an apple fried pie, if you're interested. We'll talk about that later. But we're at lunch with these little guys, and I ask them, I'm like, are you a Christian? Yeah. Oh, really? Well, tell me what that means. What, is, what does it mean for you to have a relationship with God? I don't know. Well, that's what school I go to. Yeah, there's like a Bible class or something. But do you have a relationship with Jesus? He's like, no. So are your parents Christians? No. Ask the other guy. Hey, are, are you, do, do you believe anything? Are you a Christian? He's like, nope. No. What do you want to do? I just want to be a, I want to be a pilot, I think, or a doctor. Oh, great. Those are both really important jobs. He's like, do you believe anything? No. Do your parents believe anything? No. All right. Now, they're going to a Christian school in Hong Kong. There's quite a few of them there. But those conversations that I had that summer, something just did not sit well with me. There's an interesting thing about Hong Kong is this. 
it's been this hub of missions as a gateway city into China. And from 1997 to 2047, that's a lot of your lifetime, Hong Kong is sitting in this little in-between land of political, semi-political and religious freedom. And unlike mainland China, where there's limited freedom at best, in Hong Kong, you're free to believe and do whatever it is that you'd like to do, and you're free to share that with other people as often as you'd like to do. And here are 7 million people, of which 93 to 95% do not profess faith in Jesus Christ. And it's a city where East meets West, and it's a city where, although there are a lot of difficult things about it for us as a family that summer, like living in a dorm room, with a two-year-old and a four-year-old and sewers leaking onto their beds at night and food that's a little less than mm, from a lunchroom cafeteria every day. And there's not a lot of handicap ramp access, which means if you're pushing a stroller, you're, you're carrying a stroller up and down stairs. And there's some minor things that aren't great about it. But otherwise, it's a wonderful place. And we didn't know Cantonese, and we didn't really need to know Cantonese because we could walk around and say we need to go here and here and here. And although it's a great city and it's a magnificent place, 93 out of every 100 people that you see on the street do not profess faith in Jesus Christ. Now add to that, there are a million young adults between 18 and 25, 26 years old there. And there are only 100,000 university students there. And there's a lot of universities there. And here's the crazy thing, there's not a lot happening on the universities there. And if you wanted to go and tour all the great churches of Hong Kong, you could do it in about a day. You could. And there are some great things that has happened there. God is doing some really, really great things there. But by and large, this city of 7 million people, there's a lot of work to be done. A lot of relationships to be built. And so that summer of July 2007, I just, I just started thinking, you know, here we are in Auburn, Alabama. And God, for whatever reason, has given us a ridiculous amount of influence into young adults in Auburn. And we're so blessed and honored by that, and things are going really, really well. But in my heart, I'm thinking, why is it that I'm here as a supplementary sermon and midweek experience to students that go to church on weekends and are involved in other ministries either the same night for dinner or earlier that week when there are millions, in fact, 2.6 billion people that don't know Jesus. And I love what you're doing here in Auburn, God. But I would love to know what this looks like to restart again in a place where this really is just not happening at all. And for a year, literally, I just sat on it. Just broken hearted. I remember one day April and I went to Ikea. And I felt like the only people I saw in Ikea in Atlanta were Chinese people. I don't know if it was Chinese Ikea or, or what, but literally everywhere we looked, I'm like, where are we? Is this, are we in China? Because all I see is Chinese people in Ikea. And I could just remember that was like in October. I'm just broken hearted. You know, I just kept thinking. And so as that year rolled around, I just made a commitment based on the wisdom of a friend of mine who said, don't question your wife's ability to hear from God if you're supposed to be in Hong Kong. She'll start talking about it. I'm like, all right. So the semester ends in April. May, we go on sabbatical. We've been reading and writing and just spending time together as a family. And one day I'm painting my bathroom, 
which is not a real fun thing to do, but I'm painting the bathroom, and, and I'm honestly, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm here I am, just really content and really comfortable in a really nice house with really nice things in a really nice community with a really nice ministry with a really nice family, and everything's really close and convenient, and I'm really, really thankful for that. But at the same time, I'm not really okay with what's going on in my heart because why do I keep thinking, God, about these guys in Hong Kong that have no clue who you are. And so I walk out of the bathroom and I tell April, I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't want to bring this up, you know. But I just have this sense that we're supposed to be a part of what God is doing in Hong Kong. She goes, well, I think we need to take the next step. She goes, you've honored me for this whole time. You've never felt, I've never felt like you've put pressure on me. You've never tried to talk me into it. I've heard you try to talk yourself out of it. She goes, but I'm to honor you, and I'm to honor what God is doing, and I can't deny that God is doing something in your life. And while I don't have feelings about Hong Kong, which is important to hear, she goes, I know that God is doing something in your heart regarding Hong Kong. And if that's what needs to happen, then we need to take the next step. And I'm going, what's the next step? And she's like, well, you need to talk to this person and this person and this person. So I talk to those people, and I start hearing what I just told you. A lot of university students, a lot of young adults, not a lot happening, 93% unchristian, wide open freedom until the year 2047. So on July 10th, uh, I'm driving back from Atlanta. Because that summer, April, and this summer, April and I really spent a lot of time praying and fasting, which is an amazing season in our marriage, together. And we had made up our mind that we had said yes to God. We felt like he was saying, will you go to Hong Kong and be a voice to that nation? And will you go and reconcile them to Christ so they will be reconciled to me? And we're like, yes, we don't know what that means. We've got a ministry happening here in Auburn. We've got a staff team that's committed to serving with us here in Auburn. We're not real sure what that means. And so April kept saying, well, if it's supposed to happen, we're going to know that, yeah, we've said yes, but it's going to have to be God if it works. So July 10th, I'm driving back from Atlanta, had an incredible meeting with other people that have a similar heart and enthusiasm for young adults around the world. And as I was driving back from Atlanta, April's eight months pregnant now with her third son, and I hear uh, Psalm 19, Psalm 41, put your house on the market now. So I'm driving in Atlanta traffic reading Psalm 19, and it's like, the heavens declare the glory of God, his speech pours forth day and night. It's all about the bigness of who God is, his trustworthiness. Psalm 41 is about when life gets difficult, his faithfulness is going to be the same no matter what. And so I call her, I'm like, you might want to read that and call me back. So she reads that and she goes, okay. It's like, I feel like we're supposed to put our house on the market today. That's what I feel like God has said. She's like, all right. Well, if you've heard, which A, that's ridiculous because you say it most pregnant and what pregnant woman says that. But, and again, when you know, you know. So that was Thursday night. We bought a sign Thursday night at Home Depot, put it up Friday morning, had a phone call Saturday morning, two visits on Sunday, had an offer on Wednesday. We turned that down. And we're like, wow, that was a lot, a lot faster than what we were thinking. And then two weeks later, we had another offer in writing that we did accept. And a month to the day that God said, put your house on the market, we had moved out of our house. Wow. All right, God. And so we told our staff team, we've made the decision, and it's obvious this thing is happening. We have no, no reason, chain-wise, to keep us here. And so 
I told our team, I was like, this is something that we're praying about. We're going to see this year through. But after that, we can't tell you where we're going to be other than we'll be in Hong Kong. And you need to think about what you're going to do. Course of early fall semester, last semester, we found out that our office space is going to be torn down. Great. And that it had been sold to the city to be a parking deck. That's cool. And then one morning in October, or September, uh, Tuesday in September, we got a phone call from Auburn saying that the policy that enabled you to meet on campus for encounter, um, it's been changed and you no longer have a meeting space for spring semester. All right. So that's not a problem. So I tell our staff team, I'm like, well, it appears that God is shutting the doors here for us. And we're moving to Hong Kong in uh, next summer. Would anyone like to go with us a month from now to see what God is doing there and see what we can be a part of? Every hand goes up. It's all right. We'll figure that out. Next day, I'm driving home. I get a phone call from a friend, and he says, hey, I just want to let you know I've got a check for $10,000, and I feel like I'm just supposed to tell you it's for Hong Kong. How much does it cost to get our whole staff team to Hong Kong? Yep, $10,000. So we're there. We're there with no credibility, no relationships. We know, one, we know two guys in Hong Kong, basically. And we're just there volunteering at this event. And the leader of this event sits down with all the ministry leaders in Hong Kong. He said, this is Matt. And my wife and I have been partnering with them uh, for many years. We really believe in what God is doing. Um, we believe in what God is doing in their family as they've committed to move here. And we think that this is the kind of guy that you need to know because he's going to be of influence in Hong Kong when they move here next summer. And I'm sitting there going, what? Me? Probably the same way that Ananias felt. You would, me, to have influence there? What? And so as I'm seeing God sell our house and then provide money for our team and then give me credibility that we really do need there, I'm like, this is unbelievable. So we start doing the research and find out it's going to cost about $50,000 a year to rent a little spacious home, 1,200 square feet, for a family with four children at that point and a total family of six. I was like, all right. That's exciting. Meanwhile, the financial crisis of the world is kind of hitting full speed, and I'm like, even better. Okay. But God is different. He's different than this economy. And on December 8th, we had our last meeting, and it was so powerful because all it was about was Jesus. And that was it. I mean, we lifted him high, purely and clearly, and if anyone walked away thinking about anything other than Jesus, they missed the boat that night because it was about him. That was the note that we wanted to end, the name we wanted to end on, our ministry publicly at Auburn. And that was a great night, but then driving home that night, it was difficult because that's been what I've been doing. That's been the cycle of my week every week for seven years. And there's just this gap in my heart. I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm in. The answer is yes, but this is difficult. That Tuesday morning, I go to the post office box, and in the post office box were some really important pieces of mail apparently, for us to be reminded that God is doing this. And one of them was from Keith. And I said, hey, bro, you think he's ever said that before? <laughs> we believe in what you and April are doing. We love you. And here's a check because we believe that God's going to use you in a powerful way in Hong Kong. $3,500. Wow. From you guys. What an amazing blessing to be part of ascending church. I mean, the blessing is yours. I open up another card, and dear Matt and April, we believe in what you're doing. Remember this. God always underlined, always goes before you. Hong Kong, here we go. Much love, so-and-so, and so-and-so. 
$20,000. I'm crying in the car at this point. Because in a matter of 10 minutes, half of what we needed for the next year came. And a lot of great stories later, six weeks after December 8th, there's $38,000 of the 50 that we have made zero, I'm telling you, zero effort on in terms of raising. Literally, we have seen God go so far ahead of us every single time. Every single time. The reason why I'm saying this has got nothing to do with us, the credibility of our ministry, what we're going to be doing. It's got everything to do with when you say yes, then you're going to know blessings of God that you could not have known had you not said yes. And I just want you to hear, the point is not Hong Kong. The point is not money. The point's not a ministry. The point is for you and for me, there are questions that God asks of us daily. And when we say no, when we say later, when we say maybe, when we say I'm not sure, when we say how could it happen, when we say you're not big enough, God, when we say those things, we miss out on the very things he wants to do. And I'm excited. April and I are excited to go to a group of people that we don't know in a land that we really have never lived in and be salt and light as we serve people in love and humility. But make no mistake about it, it's not going to be easy for us. We would miss family just as much as anyone else. We're going to miss the comforts at home of just as anyone else. But that doesn't make us heroes. That just makes us obedient. And it doesn't make any difference whether you live in Montgomery or whether you live in Tibet. If you say no to a question that God is asking you to say yes to, you're missing out. And my question for you today is, what is it that God is asking you to say yes to? It could be little. It could be huge. But in your heart, I know, just like I know in my heart, there are questions that he asks of you to say yes that will not be comfortable, that will not be easy, that will have to be him doing it in order for things to work out that way. And if you're resistant or hesitant, I want to ask a second question. Why? Because when has he not been faithful? When has he not been faithful to you? And see, as I hang on this verse, yes, Lord, that's a great way to start. Walking in the way of your truth, we wait. Waiting is hard for you. Even waiting for someone who has always been faithful can be difficult for people like you and me. But yes, Lord, we wait for you for your name and your renown are the desires of our soul. I was at a wedding yesterday, and I was catching up with an old friend. He goes, man, I got no desire to be in China. Let me just say that verse to you again. Your name and your renown are the desires, the feelings of our soul. And it doesn't matter what you're feeling about your circumstances. It doesn't matter what I feel about Hong Kong or what you would feel if God says it's time to move to Africa. For some reason, that seems so bad. It's not bad at all. It's a beautiful place. But we're not to dictate our lives and to determine the course of our actions based on our feelings about our feelings. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth, and truth is unchanging. We wait for you, for your name and your renown. The unending fame of Jesus is the desire of our soul. So I'll just be happy to gently say this to you. It doesn't matter how you feel. If he's asking you to reconcile with your spouse, he's asking you to do that. And if you're estranged right now in your marriage and it's hard, he's asking you to make every effort towards unity. 
if there's things that you need to mend with your children. He's asking you. doesn't matter how you feel. For His name's sake and His renown is the desire of your soul. If you're living a lifestyle right now that is just totally contrary to what you believe, He is, in fact, asking you to change that and to do something about it as He gives you the strength to do it. If you're afraid of stuff, what if I do this? Then what would happen? He's asking you to trust Him. And the bottom line is we all have stuff in our lives, questions and dilemmas in our lives where the answer has to be yes based on the faithfulness of who God is. And the crazy thing is this, and April and I would both say this, it's not really a sacrifice at this point to go to Hong Kong. It's not. Will it be hard? Yeah. Guess what? You and I both, all of us, we better be living out Romans 12.1 anyway. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your lives as living sacrifices, as your act of worship. And living there is no more of a sacrifice than living here. Sure, there will be difficult things about it, but it's an act of obedience filled with joy. And I am excited to know God in this new season of life as we say yes to Him. And I just pray that same thing for you. Let's pray together. God, I believe you today. And Lord, I know that you're at work in every person's life in this room. And Father, I just pray for those who are wrestling with you right now. God, that in your mercy, you would remind them that they've always been in the palm of your hand. And that your grace knows no limit to love. Father, I just pray, God, for the hard situations. For the hard answers. God, that you would work in these people's lives today as you're working in mine. And God, I just want to say that you're faithful and you're trustworthy. God, I just want to say today that we believe in who you are. And we believe that you care for every detail of our lives. And God, we believe that you're doing a great work here in this church and in this community, God. And I give you thanks for that. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today who does not know you, that their first yes to you would be, yes, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And Jesus is my only hope for salvation. Jesus is the way to the Father. And I believe that. Father, I pray for those today who've walked away from you, that their simple yes would be a yes. I'm turning around. And just as you did with the prodigal son, God, would they lift their eyes and see a father running as fast as he could to embrace and say, my son was lost and has now come home. My son was dead and now he is alive. Father, would you reconcile us to yourself again in Jesus Christ? We would not receive your grace in vain today. I pray that in his name. Amen. Chuck, hold on a minute. I sat through one service and I can't do it again. Get the baskets. I've seen God do amazing things in this fellowship in 13 years. 
we've sent out literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. The first guy I ever prayed for is a guy named Toby Miller, 31 years ago. First guy I ever prayed for. He's the associate pastor at the church they're going to. He stood right here several years ago and with a paper bag wrapped around his Bible. Most of you weren't here. That morning, we raised $5,000. And I've been sitting there trying to talk God out of God. I, I don't want to give some more. We just gave him $3,500, but God, I'd like to give him some more, but I want to wait for the mission meeting. And I got to do what Matt just said. I'm saying yes. So right now, this is a sacrificial free will. This ain't your tithe, okay? Don't, don't discount it from your tithe. This is just what God's put in your heart. And here's what I'm saying right now. A lot of you aren't prepared. So, Matt, we're not going to tell you what happens right now because I think the story's going to be unwritten. But some of you that have cash and checks, could you just make those out right now? Matt, who do we make them out to? Grace Campus. Some of you, some of you need to do that. I don't know, man. I, I'm just burned. I've been sitting there trying to talk God out of it for 15 minutes. And uh, so we need to give. Does anybody have a witness besides me on this? And Nathan, I couldn't get to you and Mike. The whole time I kept thinking, I could be rude and walk over and say, hey guys, we need to have an emergency board meeting. But we're supposed to give. That, that's all I know. So if that resonates with you, Chuck, y'all just go ahead and start passing them. I was ready for an invitation. Guy says, I don't want an invitation. I don't need one. I want you to do that. So I'm doing what he told me to tell you and for me to do. Okay? There's something about when we... Matt, thanks for that word. That's right. Put your hands together. Praise God. That's right. So right now, we're just... We're just saying yes. And your pastor was disobedient first service. So I got news for them next week. We're going to get in on this thing one more level, one more level. Guys, I don't know about you, but when I die and Jesus welcomes me home, I get to say I was a part of the national nation movement of the glory of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so were you. Amen? It ain't like, well, man, I lived in a big house. I drove a cool car. It ain't going to matter. These things are eternal. So I want you to know this. Every time you walk in, I hope next week there's going to be a Hong Kong flag flying right there. So that's the weirdest invitation I've ever done in my life. You know? You messed me up, bro. Okay. So, hey, if Matt can get college students to give all their shoes one week at a Grace Campus meeting, y'all ship them where? To Texas. I mean, they like everybody came and had like... Timberline and nice shoes, and they walked out naked. I mean, they didn't. I mean, they walked out with shoes on. Okay. I mean, we we can give. Isn't that cool? Isn't it great that we serve a spontaneous God that He can speak and we can move? Amen. That is so cool. Adam, you you just got to lead us in some kind of praise course, man. I know it's time, but that's our benediction as we walk out today. Is there is there something that we can just everybody stand on your feet? This is going to be our praising, our, our, our releasing chorus. We don't ever do that. But, man, just something just to praise God, you know. And, hey, thanks for being here. Be back next weekend. We'll continue in the love of Christ. And let's be givers. Let your kingdom come.